Sorry, this isn't episode 13 of the podcast. It's an audio-only version of a Zoom chat that the boys did with their good friend, Brian David Marshall. If you'd like to watch the video, head over to TearThemApart.com, where you'll find links to our YouTube channel. That means a working knowledge of structural engineering, demolition, and probably electronics. You're not dealing with some nut with a bomb on a plane. I wanted us to go to that church. This guy is definitely a psychopath. But I would classify him as an organized killer. There's nothing random or spontaneous frenzied about these attacks. They're planned. He leaves a controlled scene for us to find. My, my. What an unusual day, eh, my two young lovebirds? Tear him up! I think we're recording now. Okay. So, uh, I'm Paul Yelovich. I'm Evan Dorkin. And Hi, I'm Brian David Marshall. Hi, Brian. <laughs> And we don't know what this is, so. <laughs> it's a uh, first tear them apart uh, uh, pandemic uh, social distance experiment um, on Zoom. Okay. Boston, Mass. O two one three four. Jake, your block off. No, no, not Jake. Jack. Jack. Oh, Jack. Jack. Jake, Jake was the previous owner. I'm sorry. Do you want to, you want to tell that story, Brian, while we're recording to kick things off? <laughs> <laughs> so Paul, Evan, and I have known each other forever. And I, I was reminding Evan, or he didn't, maybe he doesn't even remember, or the time he nearly killed us when we were in Brooklyn driving to my parents' house. And we turned onto Coney Island Avenue where there's a huge side of the building painted sign that says Jack Yablokov Funeral Home. And Evan just <laughs> bursts out laughing, screaming, Jack Yablokov. And he's like got the steering wheel and he's just like, you know, veering in and out of traffic on Coney Island Avenue, which is a you know reasonably busy thoroughfare, and just screaming Jack Yablokov and then promptly forgetting about it for 30 years. Yeah, I didn't remember we, we also just spent before we started recording about 10 minutes researching Jackie Blockoff. <laughs> and, uh, now run by who is it? Herman Yablokov? Y um, Nevetsky Yablokov? Nevetsky is still in Brooklyn. So please, if you're dead, it's in the same location. If this and you're dead, feel free. Coney Island Avenue. Oh, maybe a sponsorship for the podcast? Oh, that'd be fantastic. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. What was it? 1965, it was Jacob Bloom. Jacob Bloom, and then he sold it to Jackie Blockoff. Son of Herman Yablokov, a famous Yiddish actor. But no knock him, Yablokov. Which is and thank you for joining us for this episode of the <laughs> Horror Movie Podcast. Yeah, oh yes. Horrific. So um, I guess we should just do a like what we watched kind of thing or just get it, you know, well, just, yeah, just whatever stream of consciousness. I could always cut out shit, too, so that's fine. Brian was talking about the, uh, his um, rating system on uh, horror movies or, or any kind of movie on IMDb, which I thought sounded terrific. So Yeah, so you, you what was the movie you were just talking about, Paul, uh, Evan? You were just talking about, what, Flesh Eater? I was talking about Flesh Eater, a.k.a. Revenge of the Living Dead, a.k.a. Zombie Nost. <laughs> <laughs> I looked the movie up, and uh, it's got 88 credited roles, and three of those 88 actors have headshots. On IMDb. 
on IMDb. And it's true. I think everybody does do this. You, you go to IMDb to go, what the fuck did I just watch? And then you notice blank spaces usually and all the actors, except sometimes the director has a headshot because he put it, you could tell he put yeah. it. Yeah. You could almost, because it, it's a review from his mother or something. <laughs> it's like the Twitter egg, right? Right. Yes. Mm. Yeah. It's, it's like the, the Twitter egg. It's just like this person has never been anything else. Uh, Another Son of Sam, which is a movie you guys have talked about well, you got on us. the podcast. And yeah, that was your fault. That was your I know. Fault. Yeah. Um, zero of 23 headshots. <laughs> dangling over the edge of the building got a foot shot or whatever the fuck. How, okay, on Flesh Eater, Brian, if you could go back. Yeah. Oh, sure. I know that the guy who made the film was uh, William Hinsman. S. William Hinsman, also known as Bill Hinsman, Esquire. <laughs> Bill Preston. Um, he was the first zombie in Night of, the original Night of the Living Dead. Ah. Basically built this movie around himself being the same zombie popping up out of the ground when a tree stump is pulled by a tractor. Well, what do you mean by the first zombie? Which, the, what does that mean? The action figure one. The guy who bangs on the windows. The coming, oh, okay. They're coming to get you, Barbara guy, who twists his oh. arm around a lot. Kind of right. looks like he runs a skiffle band. Uh, I'm going to need a ruling from the council here. So uh, his name, William Hinsman, S. William Hinsman, has a headshot. He made several films too. But it is the poster art for Flesh Eater. (laughs) No, that's what he's most proud of. (laughs) Right, right. So it's not actually his face, or I guess maybe that is his face. Well... (laughs) It's a zombie. Yeah, that's him. That's him. There's obviously there's action figures. There's tw- you can have a 12 inch figure of Billy Hinsman. Oh, the Funko. How's the Funko? Do they have a nice Funko for Flesh Eater? I don't know. It's very expensive. The thing that's funny about this movie is it's it's basically Night of the Living Dead, except that the zombies just keep going to a new house, wiping out everybody there, adding some zombies. This is why there's 88 fucking rolls. <laughs> to a new place and just do the same exact thing and and you can tell that this movie you know what the ending is going to be for this movie because it's a vanity project by a guy who played a zombie about him being a zombie so you, what do you think happens in the end he gets married no I never uh, thought- everybody becomes like we get a we get a like question oh, well, mark ending yeah 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 you get oh. well actually you get the ending of night of the living dead the, and including possibly one of the other people who has a headshot. There should be some oaky fuck with a gun maybe there. <laughs> they got one of the guys who shot the zombies at the end of Night of the Living Dead to come back to shoot the zomb- to shoot zombies in this one, I believe. Michael Gornick. He is a producer, director known for Day of the Dead, Monsters, and Creep Show. And let's see his filmography, including an actor. Yeah, he's in Dawn of the Dead as a news reporter, uncredited. Let's see. So that's probably who, not him. Who's the third guy? I'm going. It's a lot of people to scroll the through here. Be okay, fuck with a gun. John F. Wilson. He's known for Flesh Eater, which doesn't bode well. I love when you're known for something nobody knows about. <laughs> <laughs> His only acting credit is Flesh Eater. Okay. So he wasn't... He, okay. Because, you know, best known for things. <laughs> best known as 
the guy whose eyes are shown in Another Son of Sam. Holy shit. But yeah, so Flesh Eater was entertaining. I would recommend it as a bad good because it's it's <laughs> such a weird asterisk asterisk movie that like somebody just because usually you get a movie where like they go Richard Keel played Jaws in a James Bond film so some Italian company goes let's put him in a movie and he's a big guy to go you know to to exploit his fame and his role or Harold Sakata he was remember how Harold Sakata was always Harold Oddjob Sakata after uh, right uh, oh uh, sure yes yes Bolo Young Bolo Young yeah Place. He became Bolo after right. the movie. But Bill Hinsman says, fuck it, nobody's calling. I'm just going to put myself in a zombie movie as the zombie. The creepy thing about the movie is that he's the, he gets the, he touches a lot of the women. Like when he attacks some of the women, he rips their clothes off and gives them a little, and I'm like, you know, you, to write a screenplay where you're like, I'm the zombie and I think that I'll write myself touching the naked woman a couple of times, really hinky, you know? And his daughter's on the set. I'm like, his family, he's a family man. Family zombie, a family <laughs> But I just think that's really, really weird, you know? It's yeah, like that is weird. He couldn't have a girlfriend and be like the, you know, the cool men's adventure character that most guys who make their own movie and puts them in. Although, looking at Mike Norton's Instagram feed, I didn't realize that there was a woman action hero who made her own movies. He's been, uh, Paul, you, you may, you, you've seen that, uh, that Mike Norton's been watching these movies starring this woman who is directing her kick, like she's the actress, he, she's the star of her own movies, so she gets to be the greatest of all time in every movie. Yeah, I, I, unfortunately, I can't give you an answer. Tula, I don't know. It's like it's. I've never heard of her. It's like '80s movies, and she's okay. she's the star of her movies. So it's a reversal of the guy who gets to kick everybody's ass because okay. he's written and directed the movie. But I guess it, the thing is, if you're a zombie, all you can do is kind of kill people. But he made sure that he got some women. Creepy, fucking creepy. So there you go. Do so, you know? Uh, do you know Norman, who was like. I don't know if I don't know if you knew Jeff Notkin or not, Evan. I know Paul. You've met Jeff. Jeff Notkin, and then Lockoff. No, no, different, different, uh, different family. Okay. But he had a friend Norman who would hang around. He was like in the New York like music scene and comic book scene in like the late '80s, early '90s, and he was obsessed with Dawn of the, with Dawn of the Dead, the yeah. George Romero. Filmed his own scenes. Yes, this is the guy who basically did his makeup bought the identical cameras that George Romero used to shoot the movie, hid right. in the bathroom, like uh, sitting on, squatting on top of a bathroom stall, mall, holding right. all his equipment. He went to that mall out yeah, in- Yeah, the Monroeville yeah. Mall. Monroeville yeah. Mall, yeah. And yeah, and, and shot footage of himself as a zombie so he can insert it into his print of Dawn of the Dead. Wasn't he also the guy that was collecting stills so yes. he could have the movie in stills? Yes. Yeah, That's and then devotion. he, and then he eventually ended up moving to Japan and becoming a horror right. movie expert. Right on the movie, yeah. And, yeah you told me about this guy. But yeah, where is he now? Is he in a? He, he lives apparently still lives in Japan. In a mall. Yeah. Is he like, <laughs> How many headshots? Oh, oh, you know, it's it's crazy, son. He's like he probably has his own TV show. Yeah, he well he did. He was he was like. 
he would go, I, I, I always picture it like the Mike Douglas show or something. But he would go on the Japanese talk show circuit and talk about horror movies. Wow. Do you have, yeah. can we find footage of this? I don't know. I'm going to have to look for it. I, didn't, I just, I just started thinking about it when you were just talking about I sort of about like, I was in, I was in a Dawn of the Dead movie. So now I'm going to make a movie called Flesh Eater about my character from that movie. It just seems to me like a, a similar amazing. mentality. That's amazing. Hold on. I'm looking up. Okay. Um, it's a movie that uh, Mike Norton uh, posts about called Personal Vendetta from 1998. Okay. The woman is named Mimi Lesios. I've never heard of her. L-E-S-S-E-O-S. -S -E um, this is a movie about an abused woman who gets fed up and joins the police force. Her abusive husband turns out to be the ringleader of a sex slave import syndicate, so she gets her chance to kick him out a window, and she does, and her evil husband is played by Timothy Bottoms. Oh, uh, you gotta love a Bottoms. And, uh, <laughs> the Bottoms is tops. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it says, and according to Mike uh, Norton, uh, he plays the evil husband in a performance that even Nick Cage would think is a little over the top. Wow. So I've hey. never heard of her. And uh, here's, and the scenes that, Streets of, oh no, Streets of Rage is another Mimi Alessio. Well, I know Streets of, I feel like I've seen Streets of Rage. 1994. Um, that, seven of 61 headshots, by the way, for, <laughs> for Vendetta. <laughs> Oh my God. Okay, here's the thing that was funny. Streets of Rage is co-written by Mimi Lesios, and it's directed by Danny Elfman's brother under the pseudonym of Artiste Sumatra. That's crazy. That's the guy who oh, made and by the way, there's two, three sequels to it. To which one? To Streets of, oh no, that's a video game, Streets of say, Rage. Yeah, I was going to say there's Avenues of Rage, uh, Bike Lanes of Rage. So, Esplanade. Yeah. He sounds <laughs> called the sack of rage. <laughs> I was fascinated by this because I've never heard of uh, of her before. She's a professional professional wrestler. This is beyond fear. Here's another one, magnificent Mimi Lesios. If she's a professional wrestler, like how do not more people talk about her? Uh, she wrote, produced, and starred in the Vanity Project as a hiking tour guide, whose client films two guys killing a hooker. <laughs> like in the, wow. in the mountains uh they try to cover up by killing the client they didn't know that mimi is only a part-time tour guide the rest of the time she kicks ass all caps from mike this film is so poorly made changing film stock a couple of times and ambient noise drowning out actors speaking throughout uh they, he says that the dialogue is practically tommy Wiso. why so i don't know how to pronounce his name oh sure uh, it's as if it was translated from another language by an, by an orangutan with a brain injury. So I'm kind of curious about seeing some of these things now. Yeah. She, she also hosts a reality show called America's Superwoman Next Action Diva. Is this about herself? No, she's the host. They're searching to find the next Angelina Jolie, Mila Jovovich, or Maggie Q. Who's searching for this? <laughs> I don't know. I think they had one episode as far as I can tell. <laughs> They got lost. <laughs> so, hey, could I do a segue? Yeah. Sure. Speaking of bottoms, all three of us just recently watched Roller Coaster. Oh, yeah. You have to wait a long time to ride the rocket. But when you climb into your seat and they lock you in, get ready for the thrill of your life. I called it the taking Pelham one, two, three of roller coaster movies. Oh, most definitely. Yeah. 
Yeah. It's a it's a terrific movie. It's a yeah, it's a disaster film, I guess. It, the thing, it's not a disaster film. It really isn't. It's a it's a it's a it's a crime. It's a thriller. It's a thriller. But it's but it was definitely promoted as a a, a disaster movie. This came out when we were kids. Well, that yeah. was because how it was presented. What was it like 70, 77, 78? It's 77, yeah. So it's post-earthquake, post-towering inferno. It's, it was I, shot since around. Right, right. right. So, so all the roller coaster footage is supposed to be your seat shaking and doing all that kind of stuff. And there's more of it than you want because that was- But the there's same. not a lot of it either. No, but when it happens, you kind of get sick of it. It goes a little too long, yeah. You're like, you know, you feel like you ever get on a ride and they by accident you get in the bun they send it through again and you're like I'm done all right oh, see I was I I loved all the roller coaster stuff they could have had more of it that was fine yeah I liked the roller coaster stuff because I liked looking around the park if you know what okay. I mean okay do you like that? roller coasters Evan I don't even yes. know this about you I actually you did. I was terrified of going on roller coasters as a kid and then I started going uh, on the first one I went on was Rolling Thunder at uh, Six Flags. Uh, yeah. Where is that in Jersey? Uh, the one I, near I always thought it was a city called Six Flags. Yeah. Right. As a kid, I, that's what I thought. Because yeah. it had its own sign off the, uh, yeah. <laughs> the turnpike. Honestly. And, and I was terrified to go on the roller coaster and I enjoyed it, but I, I was terrified because when it goes up slowly is the scariest time. That's, that's the thing that always, for me, yeah. was made me a little sick. Looking down, uh, being stuck. Uh, but once it goes, to me, it's a lot less scary once it goes because you know you're going. And I ended up, re I went on lightning loops. I went on a few roller coasters. And I'm like, I don't know if I'd go on one now. But uh, Ferris wheels, just for the hell of it, Ferris wheels is is my is it terrifies me. They 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 when when we went on Ferris wheels at uh, uh, Wildwood, New Jersey. Um, I would actually slink, slump, fall into the middle of it and hug the pole like a terrified pole dancer. And my family, Sarah and Alice would just laugh at me because they, Alice was going on these things when she was a little kid and laugh. They have pictures of me actually freaking out because I would go on to be the dad. I'm, go, I'm gonna go on with you. And I was practically crying a couple of times. So anyway, roller coaster. The movie. What? Let me ask you a question about roller coaster. There's a scene, one of the roller coaster scenes, where towards the end of the movie, where the, you know they're fall, you're you're doing like a POV of someone in the roller coaster, and then the camera just goes flying off into the air. Oh, that was planned, I'm sure. That was that wasn't nobody glued that down. You know. I, I don't remember it's, that. It's, That's funny. it's like a really wild shot. Right, like it's just like this really like kind of almost like what you're saying, like kind of like monotonous, like roller coaster shot, roller coaster shot, roller coaster shot, right. and then all of a sudden the roller the camera just kind of like spins out into the sky. Does it come but back? It, no, that's the last shot I think of that's that. I wonder if that was just literally to throw off. Your, I mean, these are made by smart people. I mean, yeah. there's, the movie. Well, has I think I think that's the point with the movie is that does it go off? Literally, you know, I wanted, I, I imagined it was going to be silly and ridiculous. And when oh. the credits roll, I think that Lincoln Levinson wrote it. Yeah, William and Lincoln, I, Richard Levinson? Yeah. I believe so, yes. And creators of Columbo and, and multiple they, good stuff. Turns out it's their, it was their production company. I was, I did, and I had no idea. And as mm. a kid, I would have run to Roller Coaster 30 years ago to yeah. just what they did with it. What, what the hell? are 
the guys behind Columbo doing making a movie. I mean, the, the basic plot of the movie is uh, somebody is extorting uh, the owners of amusement parks for money. Right. And the Not amazing thing is they use they use real amusement parks with real names <laughs> to advertise <laughs> this terrorist act that's going on in these places. It'd be like if Jaws took place in like SeaWorld and then <laughs> yeah. come to SeaWorld. And die. I was really amazed that they were able to get parks to allow them to, mm. uh, in the plot, blow up and show a guy putting bombs. <laughs> Oh, yeah, the, the, the last park is actually a Six Flags park, right? Yeah. I think it's Magic Mountain. I think that's the last park. Yeah, well, one of them is King's Dominion. One of them is Dominion? King's Dominion, which you, if you when I drive to Heroes Con, we see it on the side of the road all the time. And they, the thing is, the movie the, as a kid, Roller Coaster was pushed as a disaster movie. It, it had it, it, it Henry Fonda's in it. He's in everything. He's in City on Fire. He's on. Is he in Swarm? He might. Be. Uh, yes. He's in swarm. He a headshot. It's the poster, the whole, I remember as a kid going, ah, roller coaster. Why the hell would you go see a disaster movie about one amusement park having a problem? But it turns out it's about basically the Mad Bomber plot. And it's interesting because it's done by smart people. And yeah. it's, it's filmed kind of dull. It's not like excitingly filmed. It, it's kind of got the production values of a very good TV movie. Well, that's what I always confuse yeah. it. I yeah. always think it's a TV movie, but it's it's not. That, if, you, if you read the reviews, that's the knock on the movie a lot is that yeah. it's shot in this kind of like small constrained way that other than some of the sense around stuff that makes it feel like a TV movie. Although at the same time, the camera will take in the entire park. There is a sense of space. There's a sense of story. There's a sense of the, a sense of the world around it. There's a lot of characters. But that's the thing. It's it's George Siegel as a kind of Columbo insurance inspector. He's not frumpy, but he is an odd. Yeah, he he has his excessive. eccentricities. You know, his his thing is he's always looking for a smoke, so he has those things. Going. He's quitting. He's yeah. He's quitting. The through line with him. He's quitting smoking. He obviously has. Is that the inspiration for airplanes? I picked a terrible week to quit smoking. I picked a terrible week to sw quit smoking. You know, take sniffing glue. Know. Yeah, it it very well could be. It fits. I mean, or was that a just a recurring theme in all those movies that somebody had some coping mechanism that they had given up with, and I just never noticed it before. I don't know. Yeah, it's a weird movie because it starts with him getting uh, shock therapy for his smoking, <laughs> yeah. which is a really interesting way to introduce you. I mean, the thing is, right off the bat, you realize this is not your average disaster movie. It's not an exploitative film. It's really a procedural. I mean, it's. You, yeah, all these police departments, security firms, owners of the, uh, I mean, it's like, it's, it, you know, it almost felt like a, like an Ed McBain precinct movie about the way all these people function and nobody wants to listen to the schmuck, the guy who has the least amount of authority, right, but has but, the knowledge. Right. But one of the nice things is you really don't have dumb characters in it. Not at I all. I mean, the characters are smart. And their motivations are actually backed up. It isn't the, we have to keep this open, even though there's sharks killing people for the but festival. There's reasons. Nobody's this. screaming at Darren McGavin at Coljack. <laughs> You're an idiot. <laughs> I actually really like the fact that the, some of the experts, once they get burned, because they're, they're, they're going by the book, 
and this character played by Timothy Bottoms, weirdly enough, possibly the best role he's ever been in because he doesn't say much. He's a terrific psycho in this. He's, yeah, he really is. I hated him. Like, like I mm. knew he wanted him stopped. Mm. It's, uh, he's palpably annoying, irritating, and I love the fact that they will not get into his um, reasons, really. Yeah, they, they, they gave him a lot of affectations. Yeah. Like I noticed, like, he always looks at his watch on the inside of his wrist, right? Which seems like a very, very deliberate choice by the filmmakers to tell you something about the type of character this is. He had a backstory originally. Right, yeah. I, I looked it up, I was looking it up afterwards, and they, they were going to go into his reasons for wanting the money. But the funny thing is, I kind of like the fact that he has, he's very tight-lipped and doesn't want to play games. And yeah. He really seems like, um, he's not just, he's not some evil maniac. He's not the Marho Gortner that I thought he was going to be from Earthquake. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. I thought he was just, <laughs> he's actually fascinating, and the whole film is about George Siegel figuring this guy out, convincing people they need to pay attention to this guy. He's not stupid. And them tracking him all over the country until- The funny, the funny thing is, if this guy had just left George Siegel alone, he would have probably gotten away with it. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Well, that's, that's right. right. T Timothy Bottoms figures out George. I mean, everyone's smart. That's what I He's like. He's like, I'll be your Moriarty. Oh boy. <laughs> yeah. And he starts calling him up and fucking with him. And then he gets mad. And then it becomes a game between your Columbo character and your murderer. Yeah. Except they, they cannot, they don't meet. They're constantly talking on phone. Isn't it amazing how many phones ring in this movie? Like, <laughs> yeah. So like a phone rings every 25 seconds. People have to look for phones to call in. It's pretty great. And the thing that's really cool is that the character- Isn't there an early cell phone in there too? Isn't there some sort of like a, a, wireless- a, Timothy Bottoms has a phone in his car, and so does Richard Widmark. Yeah. Richard yeah, Widmark, is, is he a cop? Is he a- I think he's FBI. FBI. And what's interesting is he plays the kind of character that basically tells Kolchak to go fuck himself. <laughs> but what's nice is in this one, at some point he goes, I don't know. We got to, uh, he, he, at some point he, he um, basically breaks the ice with George Siegel and works with him rather than against him. And I really well, that. Yeah, there's, an act, there's a scene where they're talking and, and George Siegel comes up with an idea that'll, you know, look odd if bomb experts are going over the roller coaster. Right. And Whitmark actually, sh like, I think respects him there. It's, it's just, oh, it's so well written and, so well and plotted. Yeah. It's terrific. Right. That's, is that it does he, a lot of little unexpected things like that. There's too. a ton of good detail. And you can tell that there's background information on Siegel's character on his marriage. Um, the only weird misstep for me in this movie is that there's a couple of places where I think some scenes go on, some sequences go on too long. Um, just a little tighter ending, uh, editing because there's no flashy filmmaking really. So sometimes I just wish they tightened up a few scenes. Uh, but I think that that's like Brian was talking about. I think that's the uh, that stuff was going to be your your roller coaster, your um, your uh, um, Sense around. Yeah. yeah. Supposedly the sense around for this was like insanely loud and they had to tone it down in some places. Well, the thing is, originally they, I think the, there's only, you, you see a, a pretty horrific crash of a roller coaster in the beginning of the film. Which yeah. is, a, I think, a really effective scene. And actually sent some guys to the hospital and almost killed them. Oh, really? Yeah, okay. yeah when I was looking up stuff on the film, 
there was a there was a fuck up and some stuntmen almost got killed on it. It's a crazy scene. Yeah. Well, the thing the thing is, it was toned down, I believe, when it was released uh, in the theaters, but on, restored on video. So I'm not even sure what we're watching when we see it. If that's the right. the full thing. Too. He was supposed to get hit harder. They cut. I think that got cut from everything. Um, okay. Very very end. Which but there's I, a scene where one of the cars on the roller coaster lands, like comes out and then lands like upside down, basically crashing nasty. people's heads into the pavement. It's a nasty looking scene. It's a nasty, it is a scary, nasty scene because it looks real. Yeah. Um, it's, right. not a, it's not a plane exploding or a uh, building coming down that you go, well, you know, it's an effect. I mean, it's throwing physical objects off the, in and, the air. Apparently. And the thing is that it's effective because it's in the beginning and, and we know now Bottom's character, what he's capable of. And yeah you now follow him wanting to stop him. It, it's just, yeah. I, I'm just amazed on how tight it is, how it's, well it's done. It's really surprising. I, I remember when you were saying uh, that you watched it and that you were expecting a cheesy movie and you ended up with a good movie. And I watched it on, on your say-so. And I, I was, uh, you know, it wasn't riveting the way that the greatest, you know, movies are, but it was. I was totally sucked in. I could have watched. I could have watched George Siegel in another movie doing something. I like the characters. Yeah, the the three. Don't watch the Blackburn. Whatever you do. <laughs> Don't make the noise, or I'll break your finger. Okay. Okay. For me, I like to smash you, but Mr. Litvak says bring you back in one piece. Wonderful fellow, Mr. Litvak, whoever he is. I want to smash you anyway. Yeah. Talking about that. Yeah, I saw that. Um, I didn't like the very ending felt really it was really awkward and clunky how the, the, it's like it's a chase scene at the end that doesn't have any parameters you don't know where anybody is at any one time it was like the movie just had to get finish up so your your villain is just kind of trapped by the camera more than the script it's like wherever he runs the camera and you're like where is he going what is he you know and it was just kind of bleh and the weird thing about George Siegel, um, forget who plays his girlfriend. I mean, she's good, but she almost has no reason to be. Is it Su Susan Strasberg? I yeah. Think, and Helen Hunt. It. And Helen Hunt plays the daughter. Yeah. The daughter. And I, I remember because the, one of the reviews I read was someone who clearly had a, you know, the criminally underutilized and ravishing Susan Strasberg or something along those lines. Sure. That might have, uh, yeah. But I mean, but the truth is, in a movie that's already filled with a lot of characters, a lot of incidental characters get things to do. It was almost like a Howard Hawks film, you know? Here's the guy who knows how to screw things in really good. He gets some stuff to do. Um, the, the, you know, the, the owner of the parks all have roles, the different people in, in law enforcement. And I also like that they all knew each other. And you could tell that the way that they were written and acted, they have all dealt with each other before. You know, they know George Siegel likes to do this. They don't want to talk about that. It was really interesting uh, when he started working with the cops at first and they were trying to blame people. And that they would, you know, they threw away the bullshit theories that movies would have had a whole movie right. about. Yeah. You know, was it the old guy? No, you know, it, it, they did some really smart things. But uh, it was really strange that they brought his loved ones into the ending of the movie. And then literally he goes, go home. There's, well, you know, I'm glad. It's that purposeful. Did, you know, did they say you have to have a love interest? You have to have tension with the daughter. You have to have that. And I like the way those characters worked in their scenes, but they don't really need to be in the movie. Um, right. 
I mean, even his ex-wife gets a nice little scene. Yeah. And yeah. The, the weird. Go to the pet store for me. What? <laughs> the guy asks him. You know, he, he tells me that the new husband, the good boyfriend. You know, you like the robe? That's my robe. You know, it's just been weird. But I like that everything had something to do. So that it was really strange when you're going, oh crap, uh, Helen Hunt is going to get on the roller coaster. That you feel like 19 out of 20 filmmakers, for good or bad, would have put them in danger. Right. But I'm glad they didn't do that. It I'm was refreshing. I'm glad they didn't either, but at the same time, it just felt like absolutely no tension at all. That well, then, he, then it frustrates you. Why are you giving me this? Why are they there? He runs, yeah. the, he runs into the into a crowd of a million people and says, "Go!" <laughs> and they go <laughs> before the danger is even set up. And then you yeah. get sparks. Brilliant. Sequences so just spread out. I mean, I like seeing sparks in the movie, but it's pointless. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's right. That's the thing that kills a me. Long time. Yeah. Is that's a long very time? long version of that song. If it was a better song, I love Sparks. If Extended was, Sense Around remix. I thought <laughs> Nazi Spark hit his, starts smashing his piano for no reason whatsoever. I, I never heard of Sparks as a violent band that starts destroying their equipment. But it, it was a, it's a good movie. It's a good movie. It was a little bittersweet for me, though, because as I'm watching it, like as I start watching the movie and they have all this footage around this like 1970s amusement park, mm -hmm. And you know that it's Lincoln Levinson because both of you guys have talked to me about that already. And you know kind of what they're capable of. I just wanted it to be a fucking Slayground movie. That's all I wanted. I just wanted it to be a park, like, like, like some alternate it. universe where Slayground gets made by some good people with some like solid character actors. I'll Fine. take George Siegel as Parker. I don't care. Fine. Give us, give us some background on Slayground. So uh, Donald Westlake wrote a series of books under the name uh, Richard Stark uh, that were these hard crime novels about a no-nonsense thief called Parker. Right. Uh, the movie Point Blank uh, is based on the first book. Um, there's payback. a payback with uh, Mel Gibson is also based on that book. There have been a series of terrible, terrible adaptations of various books. You know, Robert Duvall has played Parker in a not great movie. Jim Brown played Parker in a, in a not very good movie. Um, it, it's just been, the, the attempts have been really half-hearted and nobody really leans into this kind of no-nonsense, hard-boiled nature of the books. Parker is all business. He is, you know, the smartest guy in the room. He, he's one of the toughest guys in the room, surrounds himself with talented people, and, and they're just great heist novels. And they're, uh, they're dying. Slayground. So, I mean, I know it takes place in an amusement park. So, so in, in Slayground, they, they basically have a, a crime that goes badly and the money gets thrown over the fence or hidden in, a, in an amusement park. And, there's, and it, while it's closed, and there's a cat and mouse throughout the amusement park between Parker and I think it's with other mobsters, like yeah, the, the outfit who are trying to recover the money or trying to get the money who know it's there. I don't remember now even the, the exact details, but basically it's this cat and mouse game in an abandoned amusement park, you know, in the 19, early 1970s. Right. Now there has, there has been a movie made of Slayground. I thought there was a movie of Slayground. Oh yeah, that's true. There is. It's terrible. <laughs> is that the it's Peter, Peter Coyote? Coyote? I believe it. Yes. Peter Coyote mm. as Parker. Yeah. That's why his name Peter Coyote, because yeah. yeah. And there's well, and there's a sequel and there's a sequel novel to Slayground called Butcher's Moon. Right. I, I which is yeah. 
both one of my favorite names in the series and one of the, one of the best uh, one of the best books in the series. detail and the fact that you're writing smart characters yeah definitely evokes Westlake yeah and uh, so so that's right and so there's this part of me that as, as I'm watching the opening scene you know before the you know it literally goes off the rails uh, of the of the roller coaster where I'm just like, wow, this would, this would be great if this was just going to be well, that, a park the, the whole sequence where it's an extended sequence, it's probably like 25 minutes, 20, 25 minutes, where they, they tr it's, a, it's like the meat of the second act, I guess, where the feds, uh, where, where uh, the, the bomber has basically uh, ensnared uh, George Siegel to be his bag man. And inside this different amusement park, he runs him uh like a dog throughout the park for hours um to throw off in in that that whole plot to throw off the feds to get the money and you're you're sitting there going how is he going to get out of here um how is the how is the bomber going to get away with this money is an incredibly smart crazy sequence where timothy bottom's character keeps getting the better of everyone well, yeah, there's there's a scene earlier in the movie where, I'm sorry, where, where he gets uh, money. He's extorted money, but I think they've marked it. So that becomes a problem. But the sequence where, how he how does he get it out of the park is, is great. It's just so well done. Almost a movie within the entire movie. And, mm. uh, it's, it's, and it has so much back and forth. They try to parry, he, he, they cannot beat him. Mm. And it's terrific. I love how that he keeps stripping away their audio. He keeps stripping away their movement. He, it's really cool. It, it's cool. interesting. It's almost like that character is a template for Hans Gruber in Die Hard. Yes. Hmm. Right? Very, very similar where I know what you're going to do. I know your FBI playbook. Yes. I know the rules. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm going to use those against you. Except he has no friends. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because he's fucking Timothy Bottoms. Bottoms. <laughs> Do you remember Timothy Bottoms? In I can't believe I've seen like two in that movie uh, Hydra, the Sea Serpent, and with Jared Martin, who's also a Timothy Bottoms. Uh, it's the one with the puppet, the Italian puppet that attacks. Oh yes, yes, I did. Oh my god, that thing was. I, I had. I. That's one of the few movies in my life I had to watch in stages. And I like puppet movie monster puppets. It was so bad. Holy you, shit. You were OD'd you OD'd on the puppets? Is it just too much puppets? No, I love the puppet and pup it's just the movie is so bad. Okay, can well, I do a segue now? Of course. Speaking of monster puppets, how about Hangman? <laughs> Thirty-six years working homicide and you end up outside a dive bar doing crossword puzzles. Tell me what's on your mind. There's a body over at Waywood Elementary. Your badge number was etched onto a desk at the scene. This wasn't his first victim. We got a serial killer. <laughs> now, this is a film that Evan has not seen yet. Um, I, yeah, I haven't. Yeah, I think you're, uh, I don't know why you're hesitant. It is the most amazing bad movie that I've seen in years. It is breathtaking. It is breathtakingly stupid. Al Pacino, looks like he is being puppeteered. I think that was your observation, Paul, when you said he, he really just looks like he weak, they weakened at Bernie's Tim through the <laughs> Yeah. Now this is from 2017. But let's just, this is 
worse than 88 minutes, which is Wait. One, one, of the, one of the most dumb Al Pacino uh, serial killer heist. You know, it's, just, it's a terrible. 88 Minutes is another movie? Yeah, 88 Minutes is an 8 millimeter. No, no, not 8 It's not 8 millimeter. It's 8 That's a Brian story. Boy, I hate that movie. No, that movie's terrible. But uh, 88 Minutes is Al Pacino has to solve this stupid, ridiculous crimes that are going on in real time in 88 Minutes. This is worse than that. This is... This should be talked about constantly. Hangman is amazing. It's, it's worse than Snowman. Yes, which they didn't film a big percentage of. So think about that. They filmed all of Hangman. Wait, Snowman was a movie that they didn't finish and they put it out? Yeah, yes. they, they, they didn't finish like 30% of the script or something. So they just mushed it together. I don't know if you're going to edit this later, but you really need to find a gif of the snowman kind of like coming into view in the window. Oh, here. I promise you I'll do that. Is snowman a serial killer movie or a horror oh, movie? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. It's like, wait, it's, <laughs> it's attempting to be like Silence of the Lambs meets the girl with the dragon tattoo meets another son of Sam. Well, it's, <laughs> it's, based, it's based on a, a series of very popular books. It's a character that they've, you know, done a lot. It, but yeah, the movie, they just kind of forgot to film stuff or it was, they were tired and they tried to make it a whole movie. And it, it's, 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 I couldn't finish Snowman. Uh, I mean, I've watched twice. Today. <laughs> <laughs> Bravo. Bravo. <laughs> but yeah, I, um, I've watched Hangman twice. <laughs> and then Stevie watch it, and she loved it. Is it like ricochet bad? For some reason, it keeps making it is. It is ricochet no. bad. No. See, I don't, I don't, I don't like ricochet bad. Rick, the only thing I want to do in ricochet is put of news telephone books and just go, just go fucking at it. Come on, it's Ari you know, Bob's warriors. Yeah, the Aryan phone book prison fighting is. It, it, I always think that that's Highlander for some reason. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because it's a stupid. Camera, I'm like, you know, this could be fucking Highlander Five. <laughs> it's sickening. I don't like. I'm gonna sharpen my gavel and stick people with it. I keep my <laughs> underwear just in case anybody makes me strip on the boardwalk. That's a good movie. <laughs> I don't. I don't like Al Pacino. I don't. He's, I don't like, you're not supposed to like Al Pacino in this. It's not like you're gonna go. Oh. I've changed my mind. It's dog day afternoon and this fucking thing, which makes no sense. Well, no sense. About, hangman is about somebody killing people in hangman fashion. The game? No. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I guess he's hanging them. He's hanging people. Right. He's but, hanging them and he's leaving clues. That's true. So I guess it is, yeah. As Look, you, I... I'm going to sell you this on Ev Evan right now. Al Pacino is a retired cop. Of course. Who does crosswords in Latin. Uh, uh, <laughs> who prints crosswords in Latin? And what is, I, I don't know, but there was know. a newspaper. What is he, got, he buy newspapers from, from a million years, from 8,000 years ago? I mean... 
Where do you find old Latin newspapers? Okay, so that hasn't sold you. What else can we talk about? It's it. it no, really... I, I would, I, the problem is, I feel like it's the kind of movie where I might enjoy laughing at it, but I really am. I just hate serial killers. You know me. I've talked about it before. I'm really no. bored by cops and serial killers. Well, that's that's why this is amazing because it is every trope. Yeah. And it's it's as worse as it could ever be done. It's just terrible. Every trope. There was a drinking game with Stevie that she had to take a drink every time a trope came up. And it was ridiculous. Right. It's I mean it's but but none of them are employed effectively or cleverly. They're they're just been they've just been added in by like Yes, it's like, it's like every auto, scene auto. the writer had a wheel of tropes and he would spin it. Right. Uh, Evan, can you think of a random trope uh, in, a, in a serial killer movie? Well, I was going well, to say, is, well, first with the cop, I was going to say, has he, has, there been, has he suffered a divorce or lost a kid? No, his wife was murdered. Well, there you go. I mean, right. that's, 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 yeah. Um, did he quit the force or is he a cop right now? No, Al Pacino quit the force. That's what I mean. That's what I mean. Oh, yeah. but the serial killer, um, something happened when he was a kid? No. Oh. Spoilers. <laughs> uh, uh, is he killing only women? No, no. Interesting. He's he's yeah. taking revenge on some in, some perceived slight. Spoilers. Yeah. Um. Does he uh does he have a crazy house? <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> does he have no? Does he have the you know? Serial killer crazy, you know what I mean? He like, you know, decorates all ugly bachelor like. I, I would have to give you a half point on that because there is a crazy place, but it's not, you know. Oh, he, he oh yeah, we're misled into thinking it's the serial killer. Exactly. He, he's he's actually set someone else up to take right. the fall. Is he leaving clues mainly for Al Pacino? Does this become a one-on-one -on -one thing? Oh. Spoilers. Is Al Pacino involved in his perceived slight? Spoilers. Oh, you've seen it. You're lying. You've seen it. You're lying, sack of shit. Does he use an interesting weapon? Lying sack of shit in Latin. <laughs> Does the serial killer have a specific weapon he likes to use? I guess colder. The no. Colder. Is the serial well? Is, uh, is the serial killer playing cat and mouse on the phone? Is he is he making phone calls and being a dick? No. Oh, really? He's just leaving the clues on the bodies or on the... Uh... Well, the yeah, there's the hangman thing. It, it, it's just basically filled with all these terrible things, done terribly, acted terribly. Al Pacino has a terrible accent. Do they? People don't go fishing when they retire. No. What they do is they hang around waiting for their pension checks to kick in and then wonder. Whatever happened in my life. I don't know why he decided. I don't even know that. what he's doing. Is the serial killer, is he erudite? Erudite? Is he a smart, one of those smart ones who like, you know, full of himself and speaks well? Or is he one of the wacky ones that... He's a wacky one. He's a wacky one. He's got sweaty, sweaty face and all that shit. But you also have to realize that we have a, 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 a partner situation. I was going to say, is there, is there a partner? Is there is oh, yes. a female partner Carl, or black? <laughs> no, it's uh, Carl Urban, right? Is it Carl Urban? Yeah, Carl Urban, yeah. Yeah, Judge Dredd. Oh, 
Australian guy. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, but but there's also wait, I thought he wasn't a cop anymore. But there's also a, he's a he was brought guy. back. They, bring him back. <gasps> they brought him back. They had to bring him back. All right. Yes, to solve their crime. Uh, it, it, did Alpacino something that got him like it was that made him infamous in the police department? You know, like did he beat the shit out of somebody or like you know punch somebody's eyeballs out? You know, no, he just he just had an accent. Nobody could tell where he was from. <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. There is a female reporter who's doing a, who's doing a ride along with Carl Urban at the beginning of the movie, oh, and then literally goes to every single crime scene for the rest of the movie. Does she bring? Where, when does is the, the killers? I'm sorry. Does she bring her kid along? I mean, <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. But believe me, it is. It is you. worth it for that. But okay, last thing: Does the killer die like three times? The uh, serial killer have to be killed multiple times? No. Really? That's that's amazing. In 2020, he just goes. Well, Al, Al Pacino is very tired. Uh, but okay, I gotta Evan, go here. Evan, but here's the thing: uh, uh, you trust me, uh, giving you advice in movies. I should watch Hangman tonight. No, if you watch Hangman, right, you have to watch it just before to the credits, the end credits, because something happens then that oh. is so outrageously insane, it makes no sense whatsoever. It is worth it because I said this will make Evan's head explode. Don't the first know. time I watched it. Is there a freeze frame on Al Pacino and his eyes glow? No, but Al Pacino becomes a little baby whose eyes glow. Toxic waste. Exactly. Oh, fantastic. I love when toxic waste turns a serial killer into a little baby. <laughs> <laughs> that is the greatest thing that ever got, one of the greatest things that ever got through a script that wasn't Italian. You know? Yeah. Yeah, well, it, toxic waste will de will it turns you into a baby, right? If you got a lot of toxic waste in your sewer, sure. Like the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles should have been Baby Mutant Ninja Turtles, on that logic. That's what I say. So it shall be. Anybody have a new segue? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Hey, How are you doing, Brian? Are you are you okay? Do you want to call it? Uh, yeah. I'm. I'm gonna. I actually, I'm gonna have to eat something. So I gotta. I gotta have make some dinner. Well, thanks for joining us, Brian. Oh, thanks for having me. Right, come back, please, some other time when we're doing this. Yeah. We'll link some stuff in the thing description and stuff. Yeah. Okay. All right. Talk to you guys later. Take care. Take care, man. Paul? Evan? Do you have any other stuff that you've uh, seen recently that you'd like to advertise or advertise or? Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, nothing is as wonderful as uh, as as hang, as uh, hangman i don't know i watched a, i've watched a few things that uh i got off my bucket list uh from from either being a kid well roller coaster was on my bucket list because i didn't know it was on my bucket list yeah just a movie that was always in the back of my head like starship invasions or something like that like i still haven't seen but uh i saw oh i finally saw prophecy uh Frankenheimer's Prophecy, Mutant oh, Bear Prophecy. Right. I haven't seen that in years. I've been meaning to rewatch it. It's, I wouldn't. Really? It's just terrible. Oh my God. I mean, you told me it was bad. People yeah. Me it bad, but it's, it's worse than, I mean, the, 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 the famous scene of the kids, uh, Prophecy is an eco terror, horror, what are we doing to the ec ecology 70s movie by John Frankenheimer. 
who has made some really good films. And this is just awful. Uh, Armand DeSante is a grim Indian. Yeah. Robert Foxworthy is our hunk hero, who is a doctor who we first see in the worst ghetto set, backlot ghetto set, saving uh, the the uh, underprivileged in this white savior scene, which is nauseating. Uh, him and Talia Balsam go to the woods to do, it doesn't even make sense. It's like they need somebody to do something and he goes, but I'm a doctor. And they go, oh, it doesn't matter. Come on, it's a movie. They literally like, you know, like Graham Jarvis comes out and goes, oh, it doesn't matter. Wow. Does this set look real? I mean, it's, it's one of those sets where it looks like, you know, a Judge Dredd scene, poor black people everywhere and like, you know, uh, graffiti everywhere and everybody's living in shit. It's just like in awful, just awful. And yeah, there's, they're dumping, uh, what's his face? A uh, guy who's in the thing, Richard Dysart and his company is dumping shit in the water. And there's some Native American folklore. And there's a lot of well-meaning but racist shit going on. And uh, they fight some rubber bears and rubber tadpoles and stuff like that. It is boring and terrible. It's so bad. It's, th it's just, and it feels like it's three hours long. I'm, I'm wondering if I ever saw it not on TV. I feel like that's when I saw it all the time right. as a kid. I, I just remember the end. As a kid, I wanted to see this because it seemed terrifying to me, the idea that something could attack you when you are in the middle of the woods, trapped in a... Um, the famous scene, which uh, as a kid, it's scary. The, the little kid is trapped in his um, sleeping bag and he's picked up and hurled into a tree. And I remember that being his te being terrified of that. And I watched it and I just burst out laughing. It is really, oh, it's just, and then when I was looking the movie up afterwards, apparently that is an infamous favorite bad scene in horror movies. Now people love it. Mm. Because bag filled with feathers smashed into a tree. There's no kid in it or anything. The, it's, prophecy sucked. I was, I was very bored with prophecy. Um, I watched something called, um, I, oh, I watched, uh, I watched a lot of shit. If you ever, I watched Ticks. Not much <sighs> there. It's just very generic by the numbers. Um, uh, Seth Green, is, it's 1993. Three, so Seth Green's like the best thing in it because he's you know very aware of where he is on camera and what he's doing. He can act, but mm -hmm. got no sense of who your characters are. It's cliche ridden. It's uh, it's uh, it's Brian Yuzna, so you kind of guess there's going to be some body horror that makes no fucking sense whatsoever. Right, loves shit coming out of people, you know, appendages. Uh, have you ever heard of a movie called Jesus Malatesta's Carnival of Blood? It doesn't ring a bell. It, it, it would if... It, it's 1973. It's one of the most senseless movies I've ever seen in my life. I think you have to watch it. Really? It's, it's, it's made by... I don't know how to describe it. It's got a kind of Carnival of Souls thing going. A little bit like a, I drink your blood kind of thing going on, which, which is something I also watched recently and always wanted to see it. I, th I thought it was very funny. That's yeah. Kid gives rabies meat pies the stupid hippies yeah it's a that's a i i i think i saw that on uh at exhumed the first time really and it was crazy it's crazy because people talk about how bad it is but it's very entertaining i mean it's mm. just so ridiculous so i i like that but yeah this movie is it's just utterly senseless it doesn't i 
it's a, and it's an amusement park movie. If you want to watch it with a roller coaster, it'll make a terrible double bill. And it's just it's hippies, ghouls, cannibalism, artsy bullshit. It makes no fucking sense whatsoever. Uh, I had never heard of it. I just stumbled across it. Malatesta's Carnival of Blood. It's wow. awful. I mean, there are people <laughs> champion. It's one of these things where I, I, it's interesting to watch because it's like incredibly obscure, very weird, but stinks. Hmm. Just because you haven't heard of it and because you've, somebody's discovered it, you know what I mean? Doesn't mean it's fascinating. But I would suggest people watch it just because it's such an outlier. I mean, yeah. I would definitely I, get I don't think I've heard of it. It I doesn't ring a bell at all. I do not know how I came across it. Malatesta's Carnival of Blood. It's fucking awful. I mean, it's just, it's awful. It's, it's, it's got, it makes absolutely no sense. I mean, there are scenes that, but it is funny. I mean, in places <laughs> it's funny. It's, it's, it's a movie where they couldn't afford one attractive person, which is fascinating to me. Like it seems for a while that our heroes in this movie are this older man and woman who look like they just woke up and we're, and we're forced to be in a movie, you know, and and they make their lines up as they go along. The movie just makes no fucking sense. So yeah, Malatesta's Carnival. <laughs> uh, I watched um, What Have You Done to Solange? Oh, sure. Okay. I, I assume you've seen that? Yes, I have. Giallo. I liked it. Mm. Uh, it's, I don't think it was great, but I thought it was, I mean, I was... It's the problem with what what have you done with Solange is the title is a clue. <laughs> it's like if you go to watch a movie called What Have You Done to Solange, you know somebody's done something to somebody named Solange. But it's not obvious, except the title kind of so you're waiting for somebody to just say, Where's Solange? <laughs> what have you done to Solange? <laughs> it's a weird, nasty, odd film. Yeah, there's a, there's a certain kind of giallo that just is this, it's kind of just a mystery and kind of weird, but it isn't insane. It, it isn't, it isn't like a Fultzy. It isn't a, no. um, you know, it's, but this. It's a crime thing. It's, it's, it's a, it has the, uh, there's weird murders, very weird murders, really creepy murders. There's a creepy reason for the murders. Uh, the mystery itself is kind of a cheat because you're not really given the clues, if you know what I'm saying. It's just incident piles on incident until finally somebody basically comes along and says, oh, Solange. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And characters just kind of walk in and go, I'll be in this now because my character is needed. But the, the, the thing that is, a, a, it's kind of like, is it a condemnation of like wild youth in Italy at the time because it really comes down hard on these schoolgirls. It's a schoolgirl film but at the same time your main character is a scumbag an unrepentant scumbag who's fucking underage girls and he's your hero and it's not a movie about him being a piece of shit so it's a little hard to it was a little hard for me to engage on that level yeah I mean people even say in the movie he's like a shitty person but it's well-made and it's creepy and it's got that thing, did somebody see something at the beginning of the movie? And yeah. they, can't remember, they can't remember some detail. 
and uh, it's got some anti-Catholic church stuff. There you go for that. And but it's 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 neat. It, it's 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 decent. It's it's uh, it moves along well. I found it entertaining. I'm trying to I'm trying to. Well, there's, there there is one movie I watched that I think you should you should check out. Um, it's it's called uh, Murder Is a Murder. You and just set that up, and I'm yes, I was looking at that. It's it's a 1972 French Italian Jallo or yeah yeah. What is that? Well, the the weird thing about it is it, it it's kind of like a mystery, but then it it does such weird things that you almost think it's a parody and then i mean some stuff is just insane there are there are plot lines in it that makes no sense that go nowhere but it was it was fascinating yeah uh, worth seeing yeah definitely it, it just as an oddball thing is it a yeah. giallo is it I, inspired i, I Maybe you know it's actually based on a novel, so who knows? But it's 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 really hard for me to to pin the uh, the genre of this. It's so bizarre. Real quick, because I think I feel like I went right past uh, the 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 um, uh, the is Carnival of Blood. I feel like it's it's basically about some people who take a job at a carnival of blood, and the, okay. carnival, the carnival is actually looks like it's about to fall apart. It makes no sense that anybody would either go to this carnival or be at this carnival. And there is like a cult, you know, I forget to, you know, mention this, a plot to anything. Um, <laughs> uh, the um, uh, prophecy, yeah, it, it's about mutated creatures and people investigating and it, there's a monster. Uh, the uh, the uh, What Have You Done Solange is a murder mystery. There was a, it's a serial killer of, of uh, young women at a all women's school. And there's a lot of potential um, uh, culprits. Uh, could it be, could it be it's, it's, you know, it's not the main character because he's with, he's screwing an underage girl in a boat or trying to when this first murder is, is clocked in, but it could be his wife. It could be a uh, clergyman at the school. It could be uh, it, it, it definitely sets up some tension and then kind of like unravels it. But yeah, I mean, there's, that's the story of that one. So what is the story of, is murder, the title like is murder. It, murder, a murder is a murder. It's, well, what you have is you have a husband and wife that are fighting terribly. They're obviously, you know, can't stand each other. Right. Uh, the husband has a mistress. The wife is in a wheelchair. She goes out to check on the husband, thinking that he's with his mistress. And a car, uh, she gets out of her car because she's able to drive. She gets in a wheelchair and her car gets out of the parking brake and kills her. Right. But they're wondering, was she murdered? Right. That's the main plot. Right. <clears throat> then you have the... Uh, wife's dead wife's sister shows up and starts acting exactly like the sister. And then you have a guy who's blackmailing saying, I killed your wife and did it in such a way that if you don't pay me, I could frame it on you. That's a lot. Yes. Yeah, that's a lot. I think I might check that out tonight. Yeah. 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 That's wild. Yeah. The, uh, we haven't, we, did we ever talk about the perfume of the lady in black? 
No, because I wanted to rewatch it so that we could have a good talk about it. I really found that very effective. Yeah. Um, and I, it really stayed with me. Really creepy. I had, a, it, I was, that was one I was not expecting to, you know, I was just expecting nonsense. Mm. It's crazy. Yeah, it's, it feels like Rosemary's Baby in a lot of ways. Yeah, there's, well, there's a lot of Polanski. There's a lot of Night of the Living Dead in there. Uh, even though there's no zombies. It's a really, it's a creepy, creepy movie. It's stylish, and I think Mimsy Farmer's really good in it. And, yeah. But it's a, it's, it is a creep-out film. The, en the ending of that movie, yeah, well, we'll save it for another time. <laughs> uh, I, uh, there's some stuff that I watched that, that was um, Giant Spider Invasion I finally watched. There's nearly not much to say about it, except you really should watch it. Have you seen it? <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. the whole way that's the one where if you've seen it, it's people where you haven't, it's the one where giant spiders show up in meteors and uh, they're played by Volkswagen beetles. <laughs> it's true. It's amazing. So but what's better? Is it, is it, is the spiders as beat uh, Volkswagen beetles or the dachshunds in rat costumes in. Oh no. The uh, rats, <laughs> the rat movie. Uh, the, the, yeah. What the, what the deadly movie. eyes. I think it's called. Deadly Eyes. It has a few names. No, those are the funniest things that were ever. That's better than Killer Shrews. It's better than uh, <laughs> the, the the rats. It, the, the the dogs in the rats costume is great because they're all wagging their tails and are happy. Yes. Yeah. So yes. Every, Sarah, I remember Sarah and I watched that on ca on the cable years ago, and we just kept laughing because giant rats were running in, but they were puppies. They were acting like puppies, so they're killing you by being happy. It was great. Wagging. Wonderful. That movie's fucking great. But the giant spider invasion has a lot of uh, it's it's terrible regional filmmaking. Uh, the one star is uh, the skipper from Gilgan's Island. Uh, he even says, "Hey, buddy," to what you know, what's what's going on, buddy, to somebody. The spiders come in a variety of sizes. The kills come in a variety of stupidity. It's uh, it's terrible. It's very funny, and mm. it's one of those movies where people have to die by helping themselves die because the monsters are not built to swallow you or attack you. It's got that, what is it, the Creeping Unknown? Is that the carpet movie, the movie where it's a giant carpet? Oh. And people's hands pulling the victims into the carpet. This is kind of that way. It's a die you have to kind of climb into the top of the Volkswagen. It's pretty, it's, it's really good. It's really, really good. It has terrible effects, it's great. Uh, I'll wait for that one, because uh, it was interesting. And it could be, you ever see the reflecting skin? No. Not really a horror movie, but it's got, it's, see, so yeah, I don't want to talk, it, it's kind of, um, what's the name of that movie? The, the, the voice, not the voice, the, the something of the beehive. The, uh, did you ever see the movie about the two kids who see the Frankenstein movie? It's, I think it's Spanish. They see the old Frankenstein movie and they believe that the Frankenstein monster is in, uh, in, in the neighborhood because there's a guy hiding out in the police. Spirit of the Beehive. Uh, it's kind of like that. It's um, it's definitely worth seeing, but I think it's heavily, heavily flawed. Uh, it's it, it, it's, but I, I would talk about it at a different time. It's a weird movie because it changes tone and tempo in a way that I don't think is super successful. It's very eighties, um, but it's it's beautiful looking. It's got this Terrence Malick kind of look to it. Uh, it's got a very it's it's Vigo Mortison, uh, Mortison, Mort, what's it? Vigo Morgan, Morganson? 
Yeah, he's like 20 in this. Uh, I think he's the only person. I mean, it's a, it's an oddball flick. Um, I watched Happy Hell Night because that Norton had that one on his Instagram, and I've been wanting to see that forever. That's the one that he was saying that Darren McGavin's in for like five minutes. It's um, terrible prom revenge type movie, you know, get back at the school people, but it's kind of fun. Just jerky, you know, it's, it was, you know, watch with friends and beer type level. Right. Not good, but it moves along. It gets ridiculous. Um, like I forgot most of it already, but I, you know, I didn't feel like I wasted the hour and a half type of thing. I was on cable a lot when I was younger. I remember it was on HBO a ton. Uh, I watched watched a lot of shit, man. I watched too much. Shit. You ever see The Brain? Canadian 1988. Star- it sounds familiar. So yeah, so uh, uh, the brain is a is uh, well, the brain's about a big brain that looks a lot like the brain from Planet Arrows. It's like okay. a giant fucking brain the size of like a you know, I don't know, a, a dinner table. It's huge and it's fake as hell, but it's so funny looking. Hmm. A lot of people seem to when I read up on it, people really complained about the cheesiness of the creature. I loved it. I thought I want an action figure of this brain. <laughs> But it starts off really, really well. And it's, a, it's kind of a mix of the brain from Planet Arrows, Fiend Without a Face a little bit, and uh, Strange Behavior. Oh, okay. There's a TV, there's the, you know, uh, people's actions are being manipulated by a psychiatric institute run by the guy, the villain from Reanimator, David, uh, last name to be determined. <laughs> falls apart halfway through it's it's got a really good opening it's got a lot of fun dumb shit but it, and it's canadian so i started feeling like i was watching a really bad uh uh david um what's his face the director of the fly and everything i'm blanking uh the brood yeah, yeah, it feels at times like a like a like a Cronenberg like like Cronenberg made this five years before his other movies, and he was trying to be a populist. It's it's just not good. It's like got bad bot. It's got a lot going on, but ultimately it's people chasing each other upstairs for about twenty minutes at the end. I I like. It's one of those movies that you watch and you wish was better, because it's got a jerky attitude. But it's not as good as any of the movies that it'll remind you of. Mm. But, uh, I got like too many more, but there's no reason to go through everything. Yeah, I, I mean, some of them are really goofy. Uh, hey, there's no reason why we can't just do this for a while, you sure. know. Sure. Thank you for joining our little experiment. Fear not, the boys will be back with a very special episode 13 of the podcast once the stars align correctly. We leave you with this bonus, terrible commercial from the 1980s. See you soon. Stay safe. I'm an expert on good foods, and Garibaldi's is by far the best. Are you ready to order? I'll have the steak, Garibaldi. That'll be good. The gourmet burger, I'll have that. No, the three pie special, that's what I think. Three large pies for $8.95. There's so much to choose from. I Could I see the dessert menu, please? I didn't mean Garibaldi's Pizzeria. Great food and so much to choose from.